we are here for Ashley's Heart Song. Y'all, this is the place where we get out of the stress and back into our body, our life, and our business. When we take this approach, this approach of ease, the approach of peace, the approach of our heart song, that is when we can truly live a life we love in a body that we love with ease and grace. So welcome to the show today. We have got a very special guest. We have Christy Vargas with us, and I'm going to be introducing her in just a moment. So happy, so happy to have this, this special guest that will open up our eyes and our hearts to just a whole new way of living. But first, y'all, you know what this time is for. This first moment in which we step into this space is all about our vitality score. So let's check in first with our vitality score. So Christy, what we do is we do this vitality score around our mind, our heart, um, excuse me, our mind, our emotions, and it's mental uh, vitality, emotional vitality, spiritual vitality, and physical vitality. And so y'all, let's just take mental vitality this week, today, how you're starting your week. Where do you score from one to 10? 10 being you are knocking it out of the park mentally. You feel clear. You feel purposeful. You know exactly what you're doing. That is a 10. And less than a five is you feel scattered. You feel foggy. You just don't feel quite there mentally. So place your score down on a sheet of paper. Next, we go to emotional, your emotional health this week. And today, where are you? Are you at a 10 where you feel balanced? You're in harmony. You know, it's just good. Or are you less than a five? Are you scoring closer to a one where it is the imbalance, the moodiness, the crankiness, the um, edginess, right? Where are you on that emotional help? And then let's move on, write your number down and then go to the, uh, we are on physical health. Your physical health score between a one and a 10, 10 being your body feels mobile, flexible, feels strong. You feel very capable physically today, or is it closer to the one where you are really hurting today. Maybe you're in a lot of pain. Maybe you just feel um, low energy. Where are you on that? And put your score down. And then the last one is spiritual wellness, your spiritual vitality today, this week. Are you connected? Are you aligned? That is a 10. Or do you feel disconnected? Maybe a little lost. If you're lost, if you feel hopeless, that is less than a five. So it could be anywhere from a one to a five. Add up your score. And of course, the top score is a 40. What we do with this score is we're looking at this and determining, okay, what area of life, number one, do I need to work in? Maybe not area of life. What area of me do I need to work on? Mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual. And so it gives us that starting point, but it also kind of just keeps us tuned in to what we're doing, how we're showing up in our life. Because if your score is less than a 20, then if I were you, I would recommend not doing any work yet. <laughs> Just stop what you're doing, go and take care of you, and then hit the ground running with your business. Do not walk into your business when your score is around a 20 or lower. Only when it's a 30 or higher do we show up really, really well in our business. 
So the 20 to 30 is a little, you know, you're walking the line. So that is just a really good guide for you to use. So Christy, let me introduce you to the group. I'm so grateful that you are here. Christy was diagnosed with retinous pigmentosa when she was 13 years old. Um, she was told she would be blind by the time she was 40. And there was nothing, nothing that could be done. Christy basically had to deal with whatever, uh, what with, with it and then whatever assistance could be offered. It's been over three decades since that diagnosis. She still has some vision and has studied art history in Florence. We've got to know about that. Earned a master's degree and am happily married raising a son. The eye disease has given Christy limits and has challenged her to overcome adversity on a daily basis. And she has remained positive and continues to live a fulfilling life. Christy, welcome, welcome, welcome to Ashley's Heart Song. I am so grateful. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very honored that you've invited me and just I'm excited to share with you. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so before we kick off, let's like start on this really fun note of Florence. Tell us a little bit about that. How did that opportunity even just drop in your lap? Because you've already been given the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So this is like college years. You're in your early 20s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, the bravado that that took, I'm thinking. Yes. And uh, I was actually in college studying music business and hospitality management. And then the opportunity to study in Florence came up and I just thought this would be fun. You know, I'd wanted to travel. Italy was my dream destination. Mm -hmm. And when it came up that I could be studying in Florence for a summer, I decided, you know, I talked to my parents, of course, and they said, yes, you can go. Uh, so I signed up and I thought the best thing to study in Florence would be art history. <laughs> But there was, of course, that fear of heading over there, being in a, a new country, right? Like new languages, new countries. I have no idea what their lighting is like at night. I Because retinous pigmentosa takes away your um, night vision first. And so I had complete night blindness. I don't, I've, um, don't drive. I never drove at night and I couldn't see. Um, so, you know, there was that fear of that. And then going over there with 12 peers that I didn't know and who was I going to count on and you know who would my allies be when I was over there and navigating a whole new country and you know my parents would be quite a long plane right away <laughs> so it was a lot to take on but I was just in a place where I wanted something new and I just I don't think I overthought it too much thankfully and it was it was the opportunity to go I was excited and when I got there, I had befriended somebody in the course we had to take before going. So I was fortunate to have somebody there as my little assistant uh, at times. But, you know, it was still during the day navigating a whole new place, foreign language, trying to learn a little bit of the language as I went through and just getting around. And there were times that um, there was a place I had to be. I actually took a cooking class in Florence as well. And that was in the evening. So I had to make sure I like got out of class and headed back home before it got too dark so I could find my way home uh, easily. So yeah, there was a lot to overcome, but walking into the museums and seeing all of that, that was our daily field trip. <laughs> you know, we didn't sit in a class with a book. We 
saw the, you know, the artwork in person, um, cathedrals and museums. And it, it was awesome, which also was a lot of navigating as well, trying to find all these new places in the city and being there in time for my class. But it was an adventure and an experience I'll never forget. I can only imagine, only imagine how incredible that was, how incredible that was. When I was 18, I got to travel through the Orient and um, with people to people, student ambassador. And that was really fun. But I didn't have, I had the fear of being away from home, but I didn't have that one little caveat that you had, right? Something that um, created that need for, you really needed to know what was going on around you somebody to advocate for you, so to speak, you know, somebody who's going to be with you. And so I am just truly um, just inspired by you and the courage that that took to go to that foreign country. That is amazing. And what an experience mm -hmm. to behold. Wow. 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 Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so let's just backtrack a little bit. And um, you told us a little bit about what RP is. We're ju we'll just call it RP as a shortening thing here. Okay. Um, yeah. And, you know, you're 13 and you're diagnosed with that. So I'd love to know as a 13 year old, you know, that's kind of the time when we're dreaming about our life and what we're going to do and, and, you know, who we're going to be, you know, are we going to be a, Eleanor Roosevelt, or, you know, we just kind of start dreaming at that age. So when you got this diagnosis, what, how did that land on you for the dreams that you had for yourself? What transpired for you? Well, it, you know, it playing out was not exciting. I mean, it was terrible to hear, right? You are 13 and your goal at that point is to be driving in a couple of years. <laughs> and, you know, what laid ahead was, uh, I think it was at that time still, I wanted to be like a movie director and there was all these different ideas in your head of what you want to be. But really I was, it was in between eighth grade and ninth grade. So I was already anxious about going into high school. Now I have this dropped on me and I was taking a summer school class to a math summer school class, which I wasn't too happy about. So all of this just came like tumbling down on me. It wasn't anything we expected. Nobody in my family had it. So it was completely new to us it wasn't even a thought right we some people have it in that runs in their family it is genetic disorder but it was nowhere for us to even think about so it was it was scary it was very scary and my dreams at that point like I said you know it was just to be driving in a couple of years and they said I wouldn't be able to drive ever and I can remember that evening going to my friend's house and sharing with her and the people we hung out with in her neighborhood. And, you know, the question is like, can you see my fingers? Can you see this? Cause you, cause I've told them now, I, you know, I can't see in the night. I have night blindness. It's finally explained why I bump into things in the dark. Um, but you know, it was just that fear of how am I going to handle going to high school? How am I going to handle not driving? How am I going to uh, work in the future? And, they're telling me I might be blind. So that was just crushing to think like, I might not be able to see any of this in a few years. Yeah, but it sounds like you had parents that really breathed life into you and breathed, wait, hold on, <laughs> don't go there, right? There's more to life to live, right? right. It sounds like that they really, because I mean, I'm sorry, but 
sending you off to Florence. It sounds like your parents were like, yeah, go live it up, girl. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, I was, I'm, my whole life, I have been so blessed to have such supportive people around me, friends, family, uh, and it's just co-workers. You know, everybody that's been around me, I have been just so blessed to be able to share with them and have them support me and help me. So that's a huge part that has got me through it all. Yeah. And then you spoke to some things that, uh, like the night line is not being able to see in the dark. And you mentioned um, in conversation around the that when you were younger and going to bars that you bumped into some women and some some things broke out. So can you share, because that's one of those um, little hiccups, it, just a small example of a hiccup that can happen in life for everybody, right? We have these hiccups that happen in our life that, you know, how we handle them determines what happens after that. So can you share a little bit of that? What happened for you? Yes. So it was, um, it happened twice. <laughs> um, I am the like furthest person from ever wanting to start anything with anybody. Right. But I was, um, one time I was at a, a dance club. I love to dance. And so I'd gone there with some friends and I didn't see a woman who must've been dressed in all dark, you know, and they, they turned those lights down very far. And then I have sensitivity to light as well. So when the, when it's dark, my pupils are as big as they can be. And then if you got that flashing light, it's just very blinding to me. So there was somebody I bumped into, I had no idea. And my friend quickly had to pull me away because she started coming at me in a very aggressive way. I still didn't see her. He's like, she was coming at you. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. So, you know, I was glad he pulled me away and you can't really explain on the dance floor when the music's pumping, like, I can't see you. I have night blindness. Um, so that was my friend stepping in, which is fabulous. And then another time we were at a local bar we'd gone to every week. Our friend was a karaoke DJ and we were sitting at the bar and we had the big binder open for what song. So my friend was looking at what song she was going to sing. And I had wandered off to the bathroom. I, I knew the way, right? Like I, I get to know the way in places. Um, so I'd gone off to the ladies room, came around the corner and bumped into a bartender who was in all black. She was on her phone or something. I don't know. I couldn't see her. The bathroom was so dark. And I bumped into her. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, made my way, wash hands, out the door. Didn't think anything of it. And then another, that same bartender was behind the bar when I got back to my, you know, went back to my friend. And I was moving the binder out of the way or just adjusting it because it wasn't comfortable for where it was for me. And I knocked over a beer bottle that wasn't even mine. And this bartender just got in my face about kicking me out, asking me, you know, how much I had had to drink. I had had nothing to drink and just really like lunging at me saying she's going to go to the manager or the owner and get me removed because I bumped into her in the bathroom. I can't control myself. I'm knocking over beer bottles, making a big mess. And, you know, that was, again, it's so not me to be that kind of way. So I went to our friend who knew the manager and owner and explained to him what had happened. And so he quickly went and cleared it all up. Because um, even though I'm trying to explain to her, I can't see in the dark, people just don't get that right off. You know, they don't understand, like people can't see in the dark, but yet they can walk around. It's like, I can see, but I can't see. There was enough light in that bar to get around to certain places. Um, yeah. And so it was just moments like that, that, you know, 
other people don't have to encounter because they can walk around or they may not knock that bottle over, but just little things that are truly innocence, innocent mistakes by me can look like aggressive or drunken tendencies. <laughs> so. Yeah. Isn't that interesting though? And when we look at it from the other person, the other um, side of it, we can learn that lesson of compassion. We can learn that lesson of giving people the benefit of the doubt. <clears throat> because how often do we run into people who are maybe don't have a disability, but they're just having a really rough day or a really bad day. We have no idea what another person's suffering is. And that the the external world likes to just jump right on it and judge, criticize, and like that woman did for you, you're drunk, how much have you been drinking? Whereas when really it's like, wait a minute, why don't you just check in with her for a second, right? right? And so we can all take that lesson though in slowing down a little bit and really being in that observer mode and, and being a little bit more compassionate mm -hmm. um, versus quick to judge, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So did you yourself, um, you are just the sweet soul, but we are all human beings, right? And so I'm wondering if, did this bring more compassion into your heart than even what you had before? So even more compassion or how did that, this diagnosis, I guess, is that the way, what you call it? Mm -hmm. How did that impact your heart? Did you go through a little bit of a struggle? Cause in, this realm that we're in right now today, this little container, it's really about getting to the heart of us and living from that with all of our human tendencies and human flaws and all that. We just want to keep coming back to the heart. Did you ever notice there was a struggle within you and then you finally found your center? And what did that look like? How did you find that center? It's definitely been a lifelong journey. And I think, you know, there are times I do have more compassion for others, or I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I was also blessed to work in education. I earned my degree in master's degree in education. And the first year I worked um, in education, I was working with the behavioral disorder students. And I formed relationships with these kids that were just so strong. The bonds that we would create, talking in the hallway, taking them to class, um, and there was other students too who needed assistance in the classrooms I worked in. So I would take time at my lunch hour to go be with them because I remember being that age. It was a difficult age. I was working with seventh and eighth graders and that was just about the time or the age when I got diagnosed. So I know there's so much going on with them. And then, yes, in, I mean, in the community, I try to be more patient, you know, <laughs> with things. And if I see someone struggling, I do try to have more compassion with them and in my own life, you know, it's just become more of part of who I am. It's, I've grown into being understanding and accepting of more and more people, you know, as I continue to get older and just learn that there's so much more to people. When you're 13, you're just focusing on yourself. You're trying to get through it, you know, into high school, college too, you know, but once I got out, it was more about, um, helping others. I became very involved with volunteering and raising money for different community events. And that's just become who I am. That's beautiful. So would you, what would you say your, um, we call it a stand firm word. So something that we stand firm in, whether it is compassion or peace or love or truth or faith, 
if you were to bring it down to one word that you stand firm in so that you can serve those kids, so you can serve these women that you're opening up this new coaching practice around, what is it that you hold within you that is a non-negotiable within you? I would say just loving. I always want to be open to people and you know it's just compassionate compassionate to others mm-hmm. beautiful I love that I sense that yeah from you so much so introduce to us what you are building to help other women with vision loss what what uh, what does your world look like as far as your business goes and the way you serve too because I know you serve in a really powerful way with an organization Can you share with us any of that? Sure. So I have been involved with Foundation Fighting Blindness Vision Walk for multiple years now. Uh, I think I've started right when they started their second annual here in Chicago. And Mm -hmm. so I have been uh, team captain for every year we could walk. We were, you know, closed down a little bit for COVID, but we still did virtual walks. And I've taken part in the Pittsburgh Walk, the Nashville Walk. And it's just about raising money and awareness to um, really help research to find a cure for retinal diseases. So there's several of them, retinous pigmentosa, Usher syndrome. Um, Just if you check out Foundation Fighting Blindness, they're going to list off every one of them. But so many things are happening because of the money that's being raised through the foundation and these walks. So it's just been a privilege to be a team every year and raise money for it. So that has been exciting. And then because of what I have and where I, how far I've come in my journey from being the 13 year old who I think I, you know, probably helped one of the doctors leave the practice because I was so mean when I would go to um, doctor appointments when I was a teenager, I was just miserable, which I'm sure most people are. So I kind of laughed. I'm like, I hope I didn't drive him out. (laughs) He went to become a preacher. (laughs) And, you know, but I was just always miserable when I had to go to these four hour long doctor appointments. So, you know, it's come a long way from being that miserable teenager of what's going to happen to really getting through it all, getting through the hardships, the loss, the grief. Um, And that happens. And there's days I cry and just have to get over the obstacles, the regular daily challenges. But my mindset is so much stronger than it was as a 13-year-old or someone just being diagnosed at 13. And so with that, I have turned around and I'm helping others now. So I have created a Facebook community just recently for women to come together and have a community that understands and gets it. Because no matter how supportive our family and friends are, they can't walk in our shoes and know what it's like to bump into that wet floor sign every time you walk into a store, you know, or trying to find the hook in the ladies room or, you know, just like regular everyday things that people don't think about. Um, I I want a community strong for that. And I've started a coaching program and that's launching. And what I'm doing is helping visually impaired women really come to embrace who they are Mm -hmm. and not think that society's perspective perception of us or their own limiting beliefs are going to keep them from having a fulfilling life. And that's just my goal is to support them, let them know they're not alone because I've been there. I've lived it. I live it every single day and just encourage them and give them tips and tricks and help them navigate, you know, their own world with a positive attitude. 
Oh, that is so beautiful. And for those in the live audience, um, she has put the link to that Facebook group in the chat. So if you know of anyone that would benefit from this group, please share that link. And then wherever you watch this replay of this show, um, we will have the link there so that you can um, help Christy in her endeavor to get this message out to those that are needing that support, mm -hmm. right? We all need support. And it's so nice when we can finally find the group that gets us, <laughs> right? Like you said, and just not every group will get any of us. Yeah, so it is. Um, the link is in the chat box, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't it go in there? Yes. And this link is to, now I see what they're asking. This link is to the Facebook group where they can have access to Christy and the support that the whole group will provide. And then if also, if that person, I'm sure Christy has any questions, they can always reach you directly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Um, you had, um, we had talked also about um, the ability to accept aid or accept help when we're going on this journey of life. You know, we, we tend to want to just pull ourselves by our bootstraps. That's what we say here in Texas. Pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we just keep going. And I did that through anxiety for over a decade, just muscled through it and pushed through it. And, you know, it just, I felt ripped to shreds at the end of that decade because trying to go it alone and you just, you just can't do that. Um, so I would love to hear your story. Um, and to, for you to share with the audience around, you know, the, what we've spoken about around the cane, okay. that would be, mm -hmm. yeah. The white cane, it white. is empowering once you have it, but before you have it, there is such a embarrassment or shame that can come with it. And when you have RP, a lot of us say, I can see, but I can't see. It's complicated because some people have vision that's like as small as 1% or they just see lights or shadows. And for myself, I have less than 20%, but it's, it's like sporadic. So instead of some people look through a straw, I feel like I look more through a paper roll, like towel holder with slits in it. And so there's things I can see and there's things I can't see. Um, and so really saying like, I need a cane was difficult for me. And I just never, when I was first diagnosed, that wasn't even a talk. There was no talk about the cane because I could still see enough. Um, and then as I got older, it just was not really part of, it, it just wasn't talked about. It wasn't offered. It just wasn't like right there in front of me. So I never thought about getting it. And when I was 30, I was diagnosed legally blind. And that would have been the ideal time to start getting it because I started losing more peripheral vision, the bottom vision. Um, you know, when I was working, I bumped into students. And it's it just more of like, I don't need it. I can still see. I can still see. I don't want to get this. Why do I need it? But it was just such a pride. It was so much pride of trying to ask for help. I was so proud of myself when I would work and people would say, you know, I forgot you can't see. I forgot you had a visual impairment. I forgot, you know, that you have RP. Um, and it, that was very, 
you know, I was very proud of myself for hiding it for so long and not letting people know I had this disability. But I started realizing that was really not helping me because I needed to ask for help. I needed times when somebody could guide me around a situation um, or understand why I couldn't see when, you know, at the, at the school they were showing a movie and the lights were down low. And it was just a lot to think about and accept. And I just refused to do it. <laughs> and I had gotten the number years ago about finding out how to get one from the state um, or the lighthouse. And I just kind of put it to the side, lost the number, never went back to it. And it wasn't until last year, um, last summer, that I was deciding to go to a conference. And it finally hit me that my safety and the confidence I needed and the independence I needed to fly alone, maneuver around a huge convention center hotel. If you've ever been to Opryland Hotel in Nashville, it has three atriums and I needed to navigate through there by myself and just feel confident doing it outweighed the need for the independence outweighed the embarrassment I felt. Mm -hmm. And there were times, you know, when we were being going to even like locally a baseball game, you know, there's steps you got to climb. When you go to a movie theater, there's steps in everything. So, you know, there was times I could like have the assistance, but I wanted the independence. And so finally, I knew it was time to make that call and start figuring out how to get the cane. And even when the gentleman came to start me on it, it was nervousness, embarrassment, walking around my own neighborhood. Like, well, what are my neighbors going to think of me? Because they see me out playing with my son, but now I need a, a cane. Like, why does she need a cane? And, you know, it was just that, that I had to overcome. And it takes a lot, you know, you, it has to outweigh the pride and, but the, you know, it could have saved me from tripping down a hallway. It could have saved me from face planting on parking lot years ago. It could have saved me from um, ending up with a almost broken ankle, very bruised ankle because I fell once if I had had the cane, but those still didn't prompt me to go get it. So this finally got me to the point where I wanted it. And I knew that it would be more empowering than embarrassing. So I have my cane now. It was a few or like 10 hours of training. I did the conference. I let myself get lost in the hotel. I let myself find new ways. I had been there before and I never explored it. I let myself explore and just have fun and let go. And that was really empowering. And going through the airport by myself, holding that was great. And then we went on vacation to Disney. So I was able to navigate a lot on my own while my husband was taking care of our son in the dark. So it just, it made me so aware of how great it was. And now I've named my uh, cane Charlie. So I'm like, is Charlie here today? Do we got Charlie in the car? <laughs> you know, and let's not forget Charlie. So it's become part of who I am and I'm proud of myself and I'm empowered. That's beautiful. Yes. I love that. And it brings to mind the, uh, what, um, a minister friend of mine says that people don't change until the pain of change is less than staying the same or something like that. So that pain of change had to happen and supersede not changing in order for you to make that decision to change. And that was just such a beautiful example of that and how empowering it is 
when we do decide to make that change, when we do decide to shift, to accept, to, to say no to the fear, because that's what you did. There was just fear keeping you there. The ego mind fear was just keeping you planted, stuck, and then there's no growth there. Whereas look at this, when you said, I'm going to do the cane, I'm going to go to this event, learn three atriums, navigate my own way around. I mean, wow. Talk about elevation. Talk about confidence within yourself and developing more of that self-love, self-empowerment. Wow. That is just huge. That is huge. Yeah. I bet you were just celebrating. Did you take time to celebrate that you did that? Yes, I, I was very proud of myself and I would, you know, text my husband or call him and be like, I did this and I took pictures and I posted on social media, like I'm doing this. And, you know, it was just, it was fun, you know, and I let myself have fun and not get worried. And that, you know, the anxiety was gone. The fear was, you know, all of those emotions that come over the pride, the shame, they were gone. And it was great because I was able to like tell those who could see where they needed to go, you know? So it's like, because I let myself get lost there and I just let myself have fun and uh, feel confident that I was able to navigate. So it was, it was very good, like, very good experience. But how long ago was that? The conference was actually about a year ago this month. So yeah. Wow. And how has your life changed since you made that one decision and you had that much personal growth happen? Right. You said, I said goodbye to the shame. I said goodbye to the guilt. I said goodbye to the anxiety, just all of that. And you stepped into this new you, this empowered you. How has your life shifted since then? I've become more of an advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. And that is huge. And I would never, um, I would never let the parents know, like my sons, the parents around, like when I took my son places that I was visually impaired. And this year when we started and I have the cane and everything, we started a new school. I was very open about it. I quickly told the principal, I told the teacher, you know, I was letting them know that, hey, I'm here to help. I am more than happy to help when needed, but these are my limitations. I can't do this and I can't do that, but don't count me out for everything. And it was just, it's, more I'm being outspoken and standing up for what I need and not in you know a bad way but just advocating for myself and that's important because I used to hide from that and be proud of that I kept it a secret but I'm like I don't want to keep it a secret anymore I want them to know and you know I've done things on my own my husband will, like drop me off places and I'll hang out there by myself and or go shopping more on my own and there's just things I do that I just feel more independent doing and excited to do. And it's just, it has transformed me because I've also been working with, I've worked with coaches and it just came to be that this is, I'm the end result of dealing with this, right? I've gone through so much. I have accomplished so much. I'm have a good mindset and I'm just, you know, aware of what needs to be done how you need to handle things or you know in my own way I've learned how to handle things and I just want to share that with others so that I can help them because I've been through it I I understand and I think that's so important is understanding others who have gone through it and now that's why I've started the Facebook group and I'm doing the coaching so that I can be there for others and I would never have been doing that a year ago <laughs> definitely but it was because I've learned that I am a confident, independent woman 
with these limitations, but I've overcome so many limitations. There are things you can't overcome. I can't drive anymore. I stopped driving at 30. And that's just, that's the fact. But there's so many mind blocks that I've overcome and that I'm helping others to overcome so that they can live a fulfilling life. Wow, that is so beautiful. Christy, I am celebrating you. My goodness, what a beautiful journey you've been on and what you can now provide others because you took that very courageous step all along and then hit the mountain a year ago and just traversed right over it <laughs> with ease and grace. So beautiful work, beautiful share. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us today on Ashley's Park Song. I'm so grateful that you are. Thank you. Is there any last uh, thoughts that you want to share with the audience today? You know, I just, I want to share if you, if you or anyone, you know, is dealing with vision loss, I'm I would be so honored to have you join us in the Facebook community. And if you're dealing with it, whether you are a friend, a family member, find out how you can help because it's an independent, you know, it's loss of independence. And that can be very scary or like I said before, the pride gets in the way. So really talk, talking to the person who might be going through the vision loss and finding out what would make it easier for them. And don't try to baby them or do things, everything for them because they still want their independence. So finding out what works well for them and really communicating. And if you are dealing with vision loss, I also recommend checking out Foundation Fighting Blindness because they have so much, so much great um, resources to offer and having the right doctor and just finding out that there is hope for a cure. I do believe that I will be driving by the time you know, my, I, well, my son and I, I told my son, whoever gets to drive first gets to pick the next car. He's only five. <laughs> and so I have a few years for them to find a cure so I can start driving again. <laughs> but, you know, I have this hope and I have this dream of it happening. And it's because of foundation fighting blindness. That is beautiful. See yourself driving and you will be. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Love that. And I love that you use the word hope. And whenever I um, hear the word hope um, or even feel the word hope within myself, I always think of God's confidence kind of hope, mm -hmm. right? It's not just cross your fingers, hope to die kind of hope. It is the God's confidence hope that this will be done, mm -hmm. right? It will be done. Beautiful. Oh, Christy, thank you for joining us today on Ashley's Heart Song. And all of you in the live audience, thank you so much for being here with us. And if you'd love to be a part of the live audience, jump on with us at 3 p.m. Central Time every Monday. Um, right here on the Win Win Women TV network. We are going to stick around for some fun little conversation with Christy. So that's another bonus if you're here with us um, in the live audience. So that is there for you as well. But until next week, thank you for joining us. See you then.